our first two-hour special. Uh, we covered a lot of stuff in this episode, including real estate, friends, and the impact of mindfulness and what's possible for you in practicing mindfulness. Strap in, full two hours coming your way. Let's go. Hey listeners, welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Call, the unscripted, unedited weekly conversation between Austin, John, and Amber. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Call. It's a beautiful Sunday evening on June 7th. We got John out in Kelowna, BC. How are you doing, John? That threw me off because normally... <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was waiting for the uh, the uh, Amber out in Toronto and... Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and what? In the prosperous land of Chelsea. Yes. John, tell people what you just told me about the, the cases and what's going on there. Because John can get a haircut. Okay, yeah. and here I am sitting with an afro, just not looking good. I wish and, I could uh, have an afro. So I, okay, so I, I can't, yeah, what I told you guys was a little not quite. Yeah, so there's zero cases in interior health. So my girlfriend works for interior health, which is like like the healthcare system in the Okanagan and, and the Kootenays and whatnot, which is a region of BC. And we have zero active cases now. He's of, of, like, of COVID-19 is what yeah, of COVID-19. Yeah. 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 Not like beer or something. They drank all uh, the beer. Not, yeah, no more. Yeah. yeah. It's all gone. Emmer, how are you out in Toronto, Ontario? Uh, I gotta be honest. I'm a little startled because I'm getting evicted in six days, just out of five days now. I just out of oh, normal. <laughs> so the way this works is I, I was basically renting an Airbnb and like a long-term be, rental. Yeah, for like a month. And then the lady who was managing the properties for the actual homeowners was just fired by them because they're losing so much money uh, on a month-to-month basis that they just can't afford to pay her commission. And so, you know, I was like following up with her. I'm like, hey, I'm going to send payment for the 12th. And then she just sent me like a one sentence, one emoji reply. I'm like, hold on a second. Why are you sending me an I'm emoji? I'm curious to know what the emoji was. Yeah. <laughs> it was like an emoji. It was like, like you getting kicked out onto the street or something? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I can't describe it. It's just a, a, an emoji not a lot of people use. It it's like a like, dissatisfied face, like uh, smiley okay. face kind of thing. And then I called her. I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, yeah. Like I, I was pretty sad. I, I wanted to call you a couple of days ago, but I was fired. They're not paying me my commissions because they're losing so much money. And now they want to shift into a long-term property rental place. And so, you know, in, in five days, I basically have to eat all the food in my freezer. And, there you go. And uh, move back to my parents' house. And I have no to, have way. To, yeah, I have to no find way. a, I have to find a place to do some, to, to you know, to live at. So. A uh, little bit of a step man. backwards. It's weird how Airbnb allows for that. Like, so oh, it, it wasn't done through Airbnb. I found her on Airbnb, but we cut the deal uh, under the table outside. So Airbnb. that's okay. Okay. Yeah. When it's so when, under the table, it was still done legally. Yeah. yeah just outside of Airbnb policy. Yeah. It was out of the ecosystem of Airbnb. Yes. So there's no Airbnb policies that kind of defend your rights there. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. Actually, actually one day. Uh, after I moved in, 
they banned because I moved in here like April April fourth, right? Right. One day after they banned uh, short term rentals, less than six months in this condo, and so I like huh. just measled my one way day in. after. Okay. Yeah, I literally weaseled my way in here, so it was, it was pretty pretty great. But that's the only big thing. But the the great thing about my week before I go there, I want to know, Austin, what uh, what what have you been up to? How was your week? Mm. Uh, my week was good. Uh, it was, um, you know, Mark and I are are getting a handle on on uh, making this business run itself and slowly taking uh, on less time and, and effort every week, which is nice. Um, and we were finishing some big projects and we're finally having, you know, and, and this year I've really, obviously to answer my question, my business has just been like our overwhelming focus in the past week and, and month or so. And uh, we've made a huge push towards getting more um, organic referrals, meaning that all of the clients that we produce for we incentivize with like additional stuff, uh, either a nice bottle of natural wine, naturally locally procured wine, or an additional $20 donation to a COVID-19 relief fund in exchange uh, for making a post on our behalf uh, about our company on their personal social media. So uh, we've gotten all our clients really so far, which is uh, all the clients we produce for between around 15 or 20 clients uh, in the month of May, all making posts about us. And even just having that presence, it's insane. Like the amount of leads we're getting. So it's cool to kind of how you have your clients go to bat for you. So I've really, I've really enjoyed that new, that new process. Cause that's been a huge, a huge, uh, plus and, and allowing me to have like a massive, uh, two weeks of bookings the last two weeks, book some huge projects. So yeah, it's been a great week for me and looking to gear up for, you know, the way I always saw it in my area was, you know, the beginning of June, you're gearing up and I'm sure John and Amber, same thing when you were doing this is, you know, the beginning of June is like really the beginning of the, really just the floodgates open with production, right? Like June to mid August is the bread and butter of our industry. So all systems go pretty pumped up and yeah, ready to have a killer summer. Yeah. And by the way, if you're listening, Austin's being pretty humble here because Austin's now top three uh, he, he's the third largest student painting business in Eastern Canada. So yeah, he's really picking up some momentum here. Yeah. And the guys that are ahead of me, like I know them well. And one of them's like, you know, shout out to Adam Dennison books. They like, stand no chance. Massive. Adam, if you're listening, yeah, he, he I'm betting like on Austin full, right now. He books now. like full apartment buildings, man. Like 80K one contract. I'm like, okay, man. Like that's a cheat code. Like that doesn't count. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so, um, what were you going to say, Emery? You, you wanted to get into something about your week. Yeah. So on, on Monday I went out, flew to great Sudbury and I saw the apartment and nice. it was an, an incredible experience. They, the investors picked me up from the airport, gave me a tour of the city, uh, showed me the high end areas, the low end areas, um, downtown where most people work. They took me out for some food. And then I met with the real estate agent who sold the property. I met with the property managers and myself, the investors, the real estate agent, the property manager all took a tour of the 11 unit apartment. And we went into four different units where I poked my head in they showed me what's getting renoed. I went to the boiler room, the laundry room, 
we went outside and uh around the end of the day we actually i i interviewed the one of the tenants uh and asked hey, how, what's it like being in the building and she revealed some startling information the guy the family ab- above hers uh, the, the the gentleman there is actually very abusive and she reported that and so we took notes of that guy and one of the other tenants is apparently either extremely a uh, good looking female or just very uh perhaps she's on the back pages and apparently a lot of men visit her on a daily basis and so i don't think what she's doing is very legal and nice. so welcome to sudbury ontario folks and then the last the nail on the head is, this is where opportunity prospers our neighbors of right next to the apartment uh sells crack <laughs> our neighbor okay. sells crack and so at first you can be listening to this like okay great amir you probably pulled out of this no <laughs> i doubled down because let me tell you about opportunity that's what opportunity <laughs> looks like old man Abu Chakra. Okay. because you gotta remember this, this even despite everything i'm telling you this apartment is bringing in 30 thousand dollars in profit every year no renos nothing poor poor management and what really sent it and and put the nail on the head because everything can be solved you can issue something called an n7 form to these tenants where if they're causing other discomforts to the tenants around they can be kicked out and that neighbor you can just anonymously anonymously report and you know that she'll just get raided and that'll be that and so that's like easy fixes we also have security cameras that would capture her activity, but what nailed the coffin in the head or whatever? You, what's the uh, what's the saying? Whatever. Nailed. <laughs> Jesus Christ! You miss you, you mixed up two sayings there. Yes. Uh, what the nail in the coffin in yes, this deal? The last nail in the coffin. There you go. Was that the owner, the original owner? So here's how this works. So Austin, let's say I'm selling my house to you. Yeah. Okay you have to give me a conditional offer, which is like, hey, yeah, yeah. I need to fill up some things by, let's call it, you know, June 1st. Yeah. Okay. You couldn't do that. You needed an extension on the date. Yeah. For you to get an extension, I have to approve it. Yeah. And so now what happened was two days before I landed in Sudbury, the seller who was selling it to us for such a good deal wanted to back out. Mm. And I'll tell you why. It's because he sold it to us uh, when he was very scared and was very emotionally driven. So mm-hmm. he was selling the apartment to us at a $100,000 discount due to this fear. And when around, kinda, around COVID? When, it, when COVID peaked is when, yeah, we, purchased, yeah, yeah. when we made him the offer. So yeah. he was like, he couldn't believe it. Yeah. So he like took our deal, even though it was extremely one-sided. So now he's getting all these offers for $150,000 more than what we're buying it. And he wanted to back out. Now here's why having a good real estate agent can save your day. Because our real estate agent and his real estate agent just wanted the deal to go through because these guys need to get paid. (laughs) So when you have two great salesmen on your side, he was able to, he was convinced to just allow us the extension and sell it to us either way. Mm-hmm. And so 
I am super excited for this deal. After doing the walk around, um, I was able to convince the investors to add in an additional $30,000 for renos because I felt from what I've seen, $100,000 for renovations just wasn't enough. And so we're, they're putting another 30,000 just in case. And, uh, and yeah, that was a hell of an experience and it was amazing. And I can't wait. Uh, we're doing the paperwork. The way it works, the deal structured is we're setting up a corporation and we're all uh, putting our money in a legal trust fund with a third party lawyer. Once all the shareholder agreements and articles of incorporation have been signed and agreed upon, the money moves into the corporation and then the corporation buys the building. And then I own a share of the corporation, mm -hmm. which means I own a share of the building. All right. So you're getting like, you're getting your holding company to buy the, the make the purchase. Yes. I'm not buying it. It's my holding company. Yeah. Correct. Cool. That's Very cool, exciting, man. That is, that is exciting. Um, and, uh, and that was my Monday. <laughs> <laughs> that's sick, man. That's, that's awesome. And like the fact that you're getting it at such a discount in a, in a, in a I guess you could say an estranged community is huge, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's as you um, find these in, in these investors. This was just purely out of referral. So one of the top guys in, in the East side of Canada who does with the real estate, his name is Corey McKinnon. And one of his top students was this other gentleman named Matt Andrews. And so I was able to be connected through this real estate mogul. He's like, call Matt. He's been working on deals and he's like, what, 28. And he's worked on 10 plus real estate deals. And a lot of them have been, you know, very profitable. He's the type of guy who would do like one deal a year. He would look at like 200 properties bid on 10, like extremely like outrageous offers, like lowballing everybody just like we did here. And then when one sticks, that's the one he presents to his investors. And so that's awesome. did he, did he like have you in his funnel before he made the offer? Before he made the offer, was I in his funnel? Like, was he, is he like, he's making all, like you guys all knew he was out looking for a deal and then Correct. you guys were all on his short list of, Hey guys, like when I Correct. do find a deal, you're going to get the notification and Correct. it's kind of first come first serve kind of thing. Bingo. It is. Yeah. So he gets, as it, while he's managing everything there, he gets 40% and then the investors get 60%. And how much money right. does he put in? Um, there is 380,000 being invested. Okay. What's up, John? There's a lot of mental math going on. No, I think it's, I think it's fantastic. I mean, Jesus. Okay, great. Yeah. More money. It looked like you were just thinking about something. So, yeah, no, it's a, it's a great place to be in. I'm very, I'm very fortunate. Speaking of real estate, I, um, I myself was, uh, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence at the moment because, uh, I myself had made an offer for a house that I was trying to flip or I was going to try to flip and everything looked great. Essentially the homeowners that I was buying the house from, uh, had already listed it at a discounted price because they were getting divorced, apparently a pretty messy divorce. So they were pricing it to move. And then it got bought off the market right away for the asking price. And then the first buyers backed out at the last second because the septic test failed. So the septic needed to be replaced, which is a huge 
for like a, it's a two bedroom house, not very big house, but it's an amazing, it's a beautiful lot. So the two bedroom house septic isn't very much like relative to septics. It's probably like, you know, anywhere between 13 to $17,000 to replace. And, you know, septics are, can easily get north of 25 if you have a huge house. So um, those people backed out because, you know, you can back out on a conditional offer once something big like that fails. Mm -hmm. So I came in uh, and, and making an offer with that, knowing I'd have to make that investment to replace the septic. So uh, I got it at a much better price, I guess you could say, pretty much the cost of the septic subtracted plus some. And then I had to just, because of my own due diligence, do another inspection, right? Like I made a conditional offer. They accepted again. They were already pretty spent and they were like, fuck, okay, well, you know, we can't go back up to our original offer now because, you know, the septic failed. So they accepted mine. And then I had to do my own inspection. And I thought it was almost like overkill because like I already had the previous buyer's inspection. No, no. And my no. agent was like, just do it because you don't know the inspector. You don't know. And I was like, okay, whatever. Cause the inspection's like 500 bucks. So I was like, okay, fuck it, whatever. I'll do it. And I'm <laughs> so glad I did it because essentially this house is one story. It's fairly small and there's a crawl space underneath it and a huge potential to like rebuild the foundation, jack it up, make it a full basement. And, uh, I was maybe planning on doing that in the next three years, but anyway, uh, I knew the foundation was okay. Cause I read the inspection on the previous buyer. Now, my inspector that I got, which was a reference through my agent, was a lot better. He was doing like infrared analysis and like seeing how much water was in the foundation wall and stuff and found that there was like a lot of water in the wall for some reason. And then he called over his, a contractor that he knows that just literally rebuilds and decommissions foundations. He dug about a, a, a one foot hole into the side of the house. And it filled it with water? And reached down and grabbed the cinder block and literally like I can't even I can't even describe it. It looks like he just grabbed play-doh. Oh my and just God. pulled it out and like crumbled in his hands. And he's like, Yeah, this foundation is fucked. Like this is this needs to be replaced 100 percent And my agent's jaw dropped. He's like, I've never seen that happen. Like I've never seen a foundation that's of a house that's still standing need to get like that like it, it's so weak, right? Like the house is, is secured with a lot of other basically joists. a huge lemon. Yeah. It's because like the outer shell of the house and when it, when it hits the ground is very weak, but it's just the internal joists of the house that's holding it up because it's, there's, there's no basement. It's a crawl space. So, oh my God. So now it's a very interesting situation because, um, the value of the home is currently priced low if the foundation was intact and it's not. So now the price is high for what it is, right? Because in order to lift this little house and build a, redo the whole foundation and then turn it into an actual basement, which would double the square footage of the house. And there'd actually be a walkout door. So that'd be nice, but it's about a $40,000 renovation. And now on top of the septic, we're looking at like probably around North of 60 K with taxes. And that's on top of the down payment and all the mortgage and stuff. So it's like, I can't afford that. So now I'm looking at like, okay, but even if I were to do that renovation, I would still make money on the flip because of how low it's valued. So now I'm similar to, similar to your situation with, with Matthew, uh, Ammer. Um, I, I actually need to be a bit of a Matthew, right. And like actually seek people that are looking to go in with me on this flip because, um, yeah, there's a lot of liability in terms of it. the reality is if the square footage of the house doubles with the beautiful lot, it's worth a lot more anyway, but now there's no choice but to replace the basement and you wouldn't 
redo the foundation just to make it a crawl space again. You turn it into a basement. So anyway, but it just goes to show you that real estate, um, like I had my money in the stock market and I was like, I don't like the stock market because I don't really like, I, I've, I've watched tutorials and videos and I've tried to educate myself and I know people that are successful in the stock market, but I just didn't like it because I didn't get every part of it. And I thought that real estate would be more reliable. And then you go into something, you know, you, you're ready to make a down payment. You just have this inspection of which you already had another inspection done and you get these surprises, man, like nightmares. And you know what the worst thing is the guy that's selling it bought it in 2018. So he's only owned the property for 18 months. He's only owned the property for 18 months. He's already listing it at a loss. I know. And he didn't know about this. Yeah. So he's beside himself. And so now he's in an, he's now in a bit of an immoral spot because he can either go, you know what, Austin, that's fair. I'll discount it a lot. I just want it off my hands. But he's saying, no, actually, I'm not, I'm 0% flexible on our, 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 um, our, conditional, our conditional acceptance price. And I'm, I'm more certain that I can fuck over somebody else that won't do that level of inspection. This is, we actually discussed this in a previous podcast episode. This is like the whole sto- um, the stoic thing, right? And, and we talked about this exact situation yeah. about yeah. how, yeah. you know, what would a stoic do, right? Like if you had a house and you knew there was a defect, Mm-hmm. Do you feel the moral obligation to tell someone else about it? Yeah. And he doesn't because essentially he's just, <laughs> I, I, he, he's just, I think he's in a very tough spot with his divorce and he just needs the cash. Like, but look, yeah. Inspectors. Here's a fun fact. That first inspection that failed to find the foundation, which found he, the septic, but didn't find the foundation. Yet. He can be sued. Yeah. No, that, like that's a thing. I know. Like if you buy a piece of property after you get an inspection, inspection done, and an inspector fails to find something like that, you can sue the inspector. Yeah. If they have a warranty, or is it just like a legal thing? No. Every inspector, when they enter the trade, they that's just they, they can't miss anything. No, they can't. That's why the onus is on I the inspector. I feel like that's. I mean, I get why though, but it's like, huh? Yeah. There's like special conditions you can put in the contract um, about like details, but the onus is on the inspector to ensure he doesn't miss such crazy things like that. Interesting, interesting. And so that's when, when, when you're hiring an inspector, you always want to ask, how many times have you been sued? That's an actual question that you should ask people. I learned that on my trip up to, uh, up to Sudbury. Because I asked them about. Because I guess it wouldn't be uncommon, even for like a decent home inspector, to be sued once, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Because, like, if you look at, like, I was watching the guy that was inspecting this house. Like, this was the first time I'd ever seen. Like, I was paying this guy. Essentially, I paid him two hundred and seventy-five dollars an hour. Because it was, it was just over. Uh, it was just over. Yeah, it was between like five fifty and six hundred. And he was there for about an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. Our inspection cost a thousand bucks. So that's around, but you can get like in a, yeah, but you were, I guess doing a bigger building. Is that why? No, you can get like, just like more expensive. Right. Okay. So yeah, you can get an inspection for 300 bucks, 500 bucks, thousand bucks. But anyway, I was watching this guy and he has like this, um, a bunch of tools with him. Like he's all, he has like a, a, an app on his phone where he can like take photos and add notes. And then he has like an infrared scanner. He has like flashlight tape measure and and, like he's testing all the electrical sockets. He texts. Yes. It's crazy. Like, this guy just has a system for making sure he evaluates everything on a house. But then there's the things that you can't really look at, right? Like 
the infrared thing was a nice add-on because he could see how much water was in the cement of the foundation. And he's like, wow, that's a lot. And he's like, I'm just going to call my buddy over. And then he came right away, looked at it and was like, this is absolutely screwed up. But if he didn't like, and I know that the previous inspection didn't have an infrared scan. So anyway, just interesting how that works because I think like, here's the thing though. Could I tell the seller that he should sell it to me at a way discounted or at least a discounted price that reflects an acknowledgement of his, his, his essentially his, his asset crumbling. <laughs> um, well, you can telling he, them he, he can, he can recuperate some of that value and suing his previous inspector. Oh, that's an interesting question. So I don't know about his previous inspector. I was talking about, Oh, okay. I see what you mean. I'm not sure how that would work legally. Cause it might be too late for him to do something like that. Cause then oh, it would have only been leak... in November. He bought that property in November, 2018. Yeah. But th- it, he can argue the inspector like, Oh, within that year, that's when it happened. Yeah. It's just like total bullshit though. Like there's no, no way I know. I know. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know that he can argue that though. Yeah. And yeah. so also one, one of the things that you should know about foundations is that, when you reno a foundation, the value of the property doesn't actually increase. So in this case it does because it doubles the, I I turn it into an actual part of the house, which it currently is not, but I get what you mean when you reno a foundation and it doesn't change anything like, yes, it's just maintenance. It's like, yes. Yeah. It's like the bare minimum, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that either, but by the way, notice, uh, I know that Austin has a good deal in his hands because he mentioned one of the four D's in real estate. And that is divorce. A, a motivated seller would have four reasons that, may, that, that make you, makes you able to get a good deal. It's one. Death, debt, divorce, and uh, what's, the, what's the fourth one? Disaster. Oh, okay. So those are the four D's. Dude, do you want to know how bad this yeah, guy's divorce is? You want to know how bad this guy's divorce is? His wife was currently living there alone. And then he essentially was like, okay, I'm selling the house, get out. And when she got out, cause he's like, okay, I have offers coming in, like get the hell out. And when she left, she, she called up Hydro Quebec and paid to have the house get cut off from Hydro Quebec. She paid a guy to come out and disconnect the house from power lines. I thought you were going to say she took a shit on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But think about what that does though is because now I couldn't even complete my inspection. I couldn't do a water test. I couldn't do an electricity test. I couldn't do a plumbing test. So she knew that's not, that's not she, bad. she knew that that was going to screw her husband over with selling the house. So I know a gentleman who will remain extremely unnamed that <laughs> extremely has unnamed. <laughs> extremely unnamed yeah. where a part of his divorce settlement Oh God. He was not allowed to quit his job. Okay. Hold on. How do you, how do you write that one into the divorce settlement? It's Essentially so, he becomes a prison of his own a prisoner of his yes, own life. I am not even kidding until he pays what he needs to pay. He's not oh, allowed to quit God. his job. Did I tell you guys the story about. It's uh, just nuts. Yeah, no, I just, yeah, that's, that's crazy, man. Wow. But yeah, so for example, Austin got divorce. I got disaster because coronavirus hit the world. So that's a disaster situation. And we got a pretty sweet deal out of it. And so that's what you got to look out for too. Is like that 
and death as well. That's usually like a sadder one, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. Anyway, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence cause now like I, it, it's a little bit weird, but it's, I did the numbers and it's still advantageous of me to actually take the current price with that reno because now it sounds like a deal that just just want to happen yeah but like it essentially like if i go through with this like i'm i'm not even spent i'm like spent 1.5 x right with like my never do that i know and and this is comes back to like what um ammer and i were were like we talked about it on the last podcast i think if you can't afford it twice you can't afford it and i can't afford this once (laughs) so i need i need additional investors for sure the, the potential is so high, even at the current price, even if there is a 40K rental, because like I said, in by virtue of doing that 40K rental where you lift the house and do the basement, it increases the value that you can even resell for, which now reevaluates the current value of the flip. So anyway, it's just if very were, different. Austin, yeah. if I was in your position, I wouldn't even make the decision. Like if, if I was Austin, yeah, I, I, know, I, know. I, I don't want to make the, the decision. I don't want to make it. No, no, no. Here's what it, hold on. <laughs> if I was Austin, I would not make the decision. I would have my potential investors make the decision for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would put together the proposal and I would approach 10 to 30 different people who I know yeah. who have cash, present yeah. them the scenario. And if all of them say no, thanks, then no, thanks. It's a natural them. selection of the, yeah. If one sense. person sees the opportunity and has the experience and has the cash, then, and they can convince you to go ahead with this, then that's how I would go about it. Yeah, I can see that. I can yeah. really see that. So you, that takes the pressure off you. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to doubt yourself on it. Yeah, you're totally right. Totally right. I should do that because that way, like, I'm trying to figure out the problem myself, and me doing that is essentially just using one brain. I need to use mm-hmm. thirty brains. Yeah, and they'll figure out the problem for you for free. Yeah, because it's a yeah, potential yeah. offer. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's it's insane. A deal. That's crazy because even if you get 30 no's, it's it's arguably more valuable than a yes. 100% because yeah. you're getting three different data points on why yeah. they're saying no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the truth should uncover itself given that these 30 people are, you know, credible people and not yeah, just, of course. Yeah. you know, Bob from the supermarket. Yeah. Even though he might be a cool guy. Yeah, no, I totally get that. That's true. Um, um, I wanted to ask you guys for a little bit of advice here. Cause I got a race on June 20th. I'm racing a buddy of mine uh, for the fastest five kilometer. And I actually want to invite you to perhaps join me. Okay. In this race okay. virtually. The goal okay. is simple. You run 5K as fast as possible. Okay. On June 20th, the Saturday. Okay. Winner wins. That's it. I know one of our viewers ran a five kilometers in like 21 minutes. Dude, okay, we that's that's when, um, we were, when we were practicing for the half marathon. I don't know who that was. No, that's my buddy Gab. Uh, Gab, Gab, McCon- Gab, Gab McConnery. If you're listening to this, oh, you got to participate because you'll absolutely smoke these guys. I still there's there's honestly a conspiracy theory going on in my friend group right now because I don't think I th- I think we still don't believe that he did the half marathon in like an hour and 24 minutes. <laughs> But is a conspiracy theory. There is a conspiracy theory because I and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not a good. I'm not a good comparable here. Okay. However, I took two hours and fifty minutes to run a half marathon. Now that is a snail's pace. Okay. Do not get me wrong. That is horrendously slow. 
but I did it. I ran the half marathon. It was the first I've ever displaced myself with my own legs in a day. Um, I was proud of myself. But, you know, Gab's a runner, in good shape. Good for him. Totally get it. But that's ahead of Boston Marathon pace, okay? So, like, that's insane. And but he, he has, has a picture of the app. I know, yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, yeah, one thing to take like, in mind though is it's not a fair compa- it's not a fair thing to say that just because he ran the half marathon in an uh, hour twenty four. Yeah, he's on a pace. Yeah, no, in yeah. three hours because yeah. he might have spent himself on that half marathon. For sure, he spent himself. That's my only way. <laughs> That's the only way I get to think about this and not and feel good like about if myself. I ran like if I full out ran a five k as fast as I could, I don't think I'd be finishing <laughs> a marathon. Yeah, in, yeah, in, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, makes sense. Good point. Yeah. What do you guys say? Are you guys open to this? Saturday, June 20th, run the fastest five kilometer you can. Well, I'll tell you what. I already had a 5K schedule that day, so it's all good. There you go. Woo! I'll participate. Let's do it. Yeah. So you got 13 days to train. What are you saying, Amber, for, um, uh, for, for your time? What are you trying to get it to personally? Like, Is this person that you're racing is like on a similar page? No. So he's better than me. I just cracked 30 minutes um, like three days ago. Right. And his best time ever in his life was 22 minutes. So I'm, I want to crack 22. Oh, okay. Yeah. 22 is good. 22 is really good. Yeah. That's like almost like, like that's a fast jog, you know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm pretty excited for that. But yeah, there's a guy on uh, Instagram that I follow. He's an absolute animal. His name is Nick bear. Um, oh, wow. I think it's B A R E though. Not B A E R B E A R, yeah. Um, and he's like a, he owns a gym and he's in, he lives in like a southern state. He's like an absolute animal. Uh, and he ran, he posted this video the other day. He ran a four minute mile. <laughs> oh no way! <laughs> like this guy was he's like six foot something and he's just jack like he's cut and he's just sprinting pretty much the whole time. You're in a four minute mile. <laughs> oh. Like you know, I can't even run a four minute kilometer like. Jeez. Anyway, yeah, it's crazy. Um, so yeah, Amber, let's do that, man. That'll be fun. Uh, and I had another thing I wanted to to bring up with you guys because I, I this is kind of like I guess maybe you could say like the mindfulness slash philosophical portion of the podcast. So I wanted to get your guys' opinion on something here. Uh, it's a quote that my. Um, that my mother told me when I was growing up that I'm finding to be increasingly evident in my life now, or like just random situations that have presented themselves. Uh, and I used to piss me off to no end when my mom would reference this quote, cause I always thought it was bullshit, but uh, she would always say, well, m- my sister and I growing up fought a lot, like fought a lot. Like we were just arguing all the time and she was like a bit of a demon. Uh, she, she'll admit that too. That's not just, <laughs> it's not just me, me being a dick, although I was a dick. Uh, and so we just fought a lot and my, and I would always tell my mom, like, yo, mom, like Katie's just being an absolute like pain. Like she's purposely being cynical to get a reaction out of me. And she would always just say to me, you know, Austin, it takes two to tango. And I was like, that's bullshit. <laughs> like she's coming up to me. She's purposely trying to piss me off. And she's like, no, it takes two to tango. Like if you give her the reaction and you freak out, you're a part of the problem. And I was like, okay, but can you not see how her intentions like malevolent and like that, even if she's trying to get a reaction to me, like it, it, it's her fault, right? Like it's, it's her fault. It's not my fault. It's her fault. And 
she's like, yeah, it doesn't really matter about faults at the end of the day, right? Like if you engage and if you, if you let her actions change your behavior, you lost, right? Yeah. So I'm just laughing because the answer to your question is actually this YouTube channel. It's this guy, his name is Plain Potatoes. And he goes around in public with a camera and a selfie stick. And he goes up to strangers and just shoves the camera right at their face and says nothing. And his entire YouTube channel is you seeing how these strangers react to him being so annoying. So he does everything legally, but his face is like right next to your, yours. So he's not technically touching you but his face is right here and he's like in a Starbucks and he just looks like a normal guy. He would go up to your face, <laughs> oh my like God. right up to your ears. Like I'm not doing anything. Maybe wrong. my sister saw that when growing up. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, that's hilarious. man. But the reason his YouTube channel is so good and why he's successful is because that quote is absolutely true. It takes two to tango because and, and, they yeah. all give a reaction and that's what makes his YouTube channel hilarious. Right. So I think that's your right. answer to your quote. It, right. It's real. It's hundred percent. He has millions of subscribers. It's hilarious. And I was, I was having a conversation with somebody that uh, is very close to me about this. Cause I, I realized that the larger part, like when me and this one other person in my life were talking about somebody else that we knew that person in my life was telling me like overwhelmingly when we spoke about that person, it was like negative things or, you know, Sorry, like, I don't understand your example. Okay, so give, like, give so let's say like, least? yeah, so so when I'm talking to Bob, who's who's very close to me in my life, right, like uh, like a, a a big relationship title in my life, like close family friends. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so so close to me, Bob is close to me, and when we're talking about Jeff, uh, Bob would constantly refer to Jeff in a negative connotation because of the way that Jeff has been treating uh, or the things that Jeff has done, not considering Bob. So, and, and, and I just made Bob realize that, you know, by virtue of engaging in that behavior with Bob and, and arguing Bob all the time and like not feeling comfortable to just confront Bob and say, Hey Bob, like, or not for Bob, not to confront Jeff, <laughs> I always fuck these names up, uh, for, for, for Bob not to confront Jeff and just be like, Hey, like the way you're acting has had this impact on me that has caused me to just not want to a be around you and, and b even want to solve the problem with you. And it's had a real impact on me. So what can we do to change this? Instead it's like, you know, Oh, you're just, you know what well, you did this and, and you did that. And, and it's really annoying and it's just frustrating and all those things that are like constantly brought up as reasons for people to act out of character, which are, it's annoying. It's frustrating. I don't like it. I'm triggered. One of those four things. As soon as you feel one of those four things, now you're playing right to my mom's quote, which it takes two to tango, right? And now you're engaging in the argument and you're actually, you, you totally lost. So when you like, and this kind of speaks to what John said before. Um, I think, I can't remember if we said this like off air or not. Uh, we're talking about Sam Harris's meditation app. I've used it a few times since he sent it to me, John. And it really plays at this thing called mindfulness, right? And it's just mindfulness. If you were to describe it in one sentence, it's kind of just like, one's ability to just take a step backwards out of the situation you're dealing with and just kind of have like a bird's eye view over the variables at play, right? Like, okay, 
the way that I speak to person A is going to have an influence on person's A, person A's day and how they speak to person B and how the person B speaks. To, like, so you just realize the raw uh, effect of how emotional behavior really comes into play. And it allows, at least for me, allows myself to like really just distance myself from a negative emotion, right? So when I'm feeling stressed or overwhelmed or anxious or pissed off at somebody, I can just go, oh, you know what? Like due to my physiology as a human being, that emotion is going to come and go, right? And, and that's something that I have to just A, accept and B, acknowledge. And I have to actually just talk to that person about that emotion. And if I just, if I just didn't have that mindfulness, I would be totally engaged in the stressful negative behavior. It would totally impact the way that that person sees me and how they would then act after I spoke. And so you can see if two people are in an argument with no mindfulness, there's absolutely zero chance that there's anywhere you can go with this conversation, right? So I just wanted to share that and kind of get your opinion, your guys' opinion on that. Cause I had this great conversation with this person in my life about mindfulness and how, you know, what's possible for them when they're mindful, because to them, it almost seemed like a foreign concept that they could distance themselves from an emotion that they got based on the unreasonable behavior of somebody else. Because to them, the unreasonable behavior of somebody else was totally justifying their negative behavior. Because they had that justification, it's totally okay for me to be negative now, right? Like, and I think that honestly, that's a lot of, of how people act. Is like, hey, if you're gonna be a prick, I'm mad. You know, if, if you're gonna be this way, I'm, I'm upset. And I feel like, you know, more so in business, the three of us possibly like, I can't speak for you guys, but I know John's a huge proponent of this. Kind of plays into Stoic philosophy as well, I suppose. But when we've talked about this in other episodes, I can't remember in what in what way. But when clients get mad at any part of our involvement in their project, not engaging with them on an emotional level allows you to actually deal with the problem at hand, find the solution, and make the person happy and. and complete the, complete the contract, right? Imagine getting into an actual argument with a client or with an employee. Like remember, remember when John said this client was angry, called him, John went, yes. client told him problem. John said nothing. Only thing he said was, okay, we'll get it fixed. And then yeah. I got it fixed and then I got a five-star review yeah. and like a couple of referrals. I had a client, uh, on uh, Friday, um, who called me and, uh, this is actually a, there's actually a, a story of me failing in my stoicism, but, nice. I like but, that. uh, but, but I recovered quickly. So <laughs> this client called me and, and we had just finished painting all of their trim on their entire house. And I get the email like, right, you know, right in the middle of date night, basically saying, Hey, um, John, like, you know, thank you so much for painting our house. You guys have been absolutely fantastic. This has been great. Um, really impressed by your crew. Unfortunately, it's the wrong color. And I'm going to need you to repaint the entire house. And so I phoned her and, and now take in mind, the colors were very close, but not quite like very close, but not quite. What, so based on the color she chose or the color that you well, matched? Well, she asked me to do the same color and it wasn't the same color, but it was very close. So I called her and I said, hey, you know, Mrs. Client, could you cut me some slack here? Because, you know, the colors are, are really close 
And, you know, as a compromise, I know that there was a couple areas of the home that, that we, that we weren't painting. It would, we possibly, you know, just cause it'd be more inexpensive for me. Could I just possibly paint, you know, there's like two door frames that we hadn't done. Could we just paint those two door frames so that all of it's matching? Therefore we don't have to repaint everything. And she just paused and said, John, I, you know, I really don't want to be a difficult client, but I need you to repaint it. It's just not the color that we want. Like we're just not happy with it. And I said to her, I said, okay, I'm going to send my crew back Monday. And I hung up, but I did it in like an angry way. Like it wasn't like a, like I was like, okay, I'm like, fine. I'll send my crew back Monday. And I, and I just ended the call. And I was, you know, and I, I kind of like maybe 15 minutes later, I, you know, I, I was talking to Trisha about it and I kind of just tried to give my most objective view. And I basically just like, you know what, that wasn't really fair to her because I actually wasn't frustrated with her. I was just frustrated with myself because, you know, I want to perform at a high level and this is just not up to my standard. Right. I mean, clearly I didn't want to actually paint her house the wrong color. So I called her back and I apologized to her. I said, Hey, look at like, I apologize for maybe having a bit of a stern tone there when I told you my crew would be back on Monday and hanging up on you. Um, I'm actually not frustrated with you. I'm just frustrated with myself. And she really appreciated that, of course. Yeah. But, but, it, but there's actually a really how, you, a very important note here. Very, very important note is that there's so many situations in our lives and there's a lot of situations that are happening right now in people's lives, right? All across North America, all across the world where people will look at a situation like that and they'll become a victim and they'll create all these excuses. Oh, my painter should have known that it was the wrong color or my general manager should have known the paint store fucked up the color match. Um, you know, I could have went down the whole rabbit hole of how it was everyone's fault, but my own, it's the client's fault. They're being so unreasonable. It's such a close color. They're being an asshole. She's being a bitch. They're such unreasonable people. They're crazy. I could have argued with her. She could have been yelling back. Like I said, I want to have payment could have gone through that whole thing. Right. And I decided not to, I said to say, look at like, this is, this is my responsibility. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make it right. Right. And, 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 and I realized that the only person in this situation that could harm me was me. Mm-hmm. The event did not harm me in any way. Only I can do that to myself. Mm-hmm. How'd you solve it? We're just going to repaint the house. That's happening like tomorrow. Yeah. Tuesday. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. I, 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 I do a custom match, custom match couldn't get done in time, but yeah. Yeah. I love that you said that John, cause that's kind of how the whole reason I brought this up, like I said, was stemming from that conversation I had with that person. And the way that conversation ended was exactly along those lines. It was when you understand that you're mindful of your own behavior you don't let the outcomes or the, sorry, the behaviors and situations of other people influence your behavior. When you don't let that influence your behavior, you. Oh, no, but hold on. Can I, can yeah. I jump in here? Yeah. So if you're, if, if you're, if you're being, you know, we, we sort of go in and out mindfulness, right? Yeah. And I like to think of like, you know, the more training that I've had. And I, I also use Sam Harris's app. Mm-hmm. both of you guys, I use mm-hmm. Sam Harris's app and I sort of oscillate between these two modes, right? Like right now I'm kind of more in like that conscious mode. And I'm sure you guys are as well. Cause I'm really engaged in this conversation. A couple of minutes ago when I wasn't as engaged in the conversation, I was kind of wandering 
and off a little bit, right? But now I'm right here, I'm with the conversation, right? But it's an important distinction to make though, that when the client emailed me and I, and I, and I was very happy, right? Because oh. I, I thought she was going to give us a reference letter. And then halfway through, I, I was those. frustrated because I, I realized, oh my God, this is actually not what I thought this was. Like the email started off with being like, hey, John, like you're the best person ever to being, hey, here's some sort of event that's highly undesirable. <laughs> And it's interesting because where I failed myself, and this is just me being weak, is that rather than identifying that emotion and realizing that it does not harm me, but rather I myself am harming myself, I allowed it to inflict and, and influence me, right? And I got frustrated, right? But it's the same way that I mean, this is such a crazy statement, if you really, I mean, in, in plain statement, now that in the context of this conversation, but no one has ever been harmed by another individual. Verbally. Well, we, we, could, we could go. Oh, this really is interesting. This yeah. is interesting. So but, if, I, if, I, if I punch little Billy over there, can I not harm him? You're harming his body. But if you're if you, oh, but I mean, if you become shit. really mindful, you start to realize that it's really like just a cloud of sensations, and that your hands and your feet and your body, your ears and whatever, it's all just it's all just there. It's it's almost like an illusion in a sense, right? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. And so it's it's really fascinating if you can if you can get good at catching that emotion arising and realizing that you don't have to identify with it, which is I think what. Yeah. You were saying Austin. Yeah, that's what I was that's you are not your emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the time, and this is kind of in line with landmark, I guess you could say, because their mission statement, you know, I I guess it's like a spoiler alert almost, or I, no, I don't think you should, no. I think you should spoil the forum. You think all. I should, or you don't think I no. should? Yeah, well, no. Yeah. No, no, no. Hold on. Are you talking about like, like when you enter the room and there's all the banners? No, 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 no. It's like the, the, the last day on the oh, last Oh yeah. Like the, no, the never, never no, say no, that. No, never, no, pause, pause. Bleep, bleep it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got to go do landmark. That's the, yeah. But I think that, by virtue of understanding how you can have this, it's kind of the way I picture it visually, what mindfulness is, is it's kind of like having the ability to, you're almost like when you're in an argument with somebody or you're in a, in a crowded headspace, you know, like you have a lot of stress and anxiety and you're kind of just like, ah, oh, this is so much work and this is so much stress and I don't like the situation and these people are acting terribly and I hate, like, I hate the way people are acting. And, and like, like you said, John, you know, my, my clients being unreasonable, my painters suck, my, you know, and my, my, my relationships aren't great. Mindfulness is like the ability to just be in that crowded space of unhealthy uh, situations, I guess. And just being able to like, you have like a three-step ladder and you just like step up on the third step and you just kind of look out at the whole crowd of shit and you just kind of like look at, look at it for what it is. And you're, and you have just have the ability to go, Oh, okay. So it's not necessarily like I have a role in this, in this um, situation. However, what's even more poignant and more influential is how I treat all these people. So if I come at them with, you know, 
aggression, hostility, anger, stress, and anxiety, what's the likelihood that this crowd of people dissipates? You know, and what's the likelihood of, of any relationships in this crowd getting better? Yeah, this, well, it's, it's kind of like if you painted someone's house the wrong color, I would rather them think that I'm a good painter and, and, and they still want to have me repaint their house than, yeah. than me yeah. being an asshole who yeah. is aggressive towards them. For right. Sure. For sure. It's always better to have people on your side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In all and, situations. And, and I actually, to that point, funny, you bring that up your, your situation with your client, John, because I had an estimate um, this weekend with a uh, very nice couple in the area uh, that I operate in in Chelsea and um, they're, you know, quite wealthy and have a beautiful, beautiful custom home overlooking like a small lake. And it's just like, you know, it, literally anything could want anybody could want in home, like just massive open concept, beautiful. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just, I can't even describe it. It's immaculate. Okay. Immaculate. And the person that had built that house totally botched it and had, they had to like, they ended up just not getting along. And, um, they were like kind of just not talking well about that contractor. And they said, you know, we actually have respect for the contractor because he's a nice guy, but he didn't solve the problem correctly, right? Like he didn't actually provide us with solutions to the problems that he created and he, you know, he was presented. And so she said, Austin, I have a question for you because you're a contractor and you're not a GC, but you own a painting company. Like what are some of the problems that you've been a caught you've caused and how have you solved them? I was like, wow, what a great question. Like I've never been asked that question in an estimate, right? Because people know that contractors, no matter how good they are, at some point have an unhappy client, right? Like, yeah, like, and so, and so the, and so the, the the client was very upfront with me. Like I've never had a, a, somebody just like, you know, ask me that authentic question. And I said, you know what, um, Mrs. Client, I love that you just asked that question because I actually realized as soon as those words came out of her mouth, it made me feel really good about myself because I'm actually proud to say how I dealt with that shit. Just like you, John, right? Like you're saying that, Oh, okay, well, we're just going to, like you said, with the, the client a couple of weeks ago, we're just going to redo it. Same thing with this client. You know what? I'm, you just look at, look at it for what it is. Is it worth this conversation? No, going to redo it. Happy client, even better. The referrals I'll get from that are worth it. So I told her, I'm like, you know, in my first year of running my business, I was 19 years old. We were doing a ma- our, our biggest job of the year. It was a $10,000 project. And one of my painters, best painter on the team, first time he'd ever painted crank windows. And he painted all the windows on the house shut. Massive job. So this guy who is the best painter on our team and who actually still works with me, legend, like the guy's amazing. And he just made a mistake. Like he didn't know what he was doing. And I didn't like, and, and because in my head, you know, the, the box is checked, so to speak, right? Like good painter don't need to be around. And I don't need to be around with this guy, but he just messed up one thing. And he didn't open all the crank windows when he painted them. So when, you know, all the weather stripping around the window essentially cracked because it dried onto the stain. So I had to pay to replace all the weather stripping on all these windows, which wasn't cheap, but I did it. Because the client said, you know, Austin, like, and, and these were people I were friends with before. And I was, I was, my, my heart sunk, you know, when they, when they told me that they woke up in the morning and couldn't open any of their windows, I was just so distraught. And I remember being so stressed out and I called uh, Pat, uh, my district manager, who's been on this podcast is awesome, awesome coach. And he's like, you know, Austin, like you, you could go forward with just saying, you know, what you want it like you know it's a lot of money you don't want to have to pay to replace them 
but you know, he said, what's the relationship worth with the client? I said, probably a lot because they're very well known in the community. And they're like, okay, well, he's like, Austin, look at it. You fuck this up. You have to fix it. What are you going to do about it? And it made me realize that just taking the accountability and dealing with the problem was, was a lot better. And so I, I just dealt with the problem. And the other thing is, uh, last year, um, you know, we got PVC deck flooring, right? Like PVC deck. It's like, it looks like wood and then you get up to it and it's like plastic. It's like plastified wood. Oh yeah, totally. So it's really expensive because it's essentially like a, uh, and you don't, ha- it's a deck that you don't have to maintain. Right? Composite. Like you, yeah, it's composite. So it's, it looks like wood, but it's not. So you never have to stain it oh, and maintain no. it. It'll just look like that. Did you drip so, on it? So I had uh, painters doing the railing on the deck, which was wood. Oh. weird how you have the railing that's wood and the deck that's PVC, but whatever. And they were using a drop sheet. Like the whole thing was masked. Like the whole thing was masked. They were doing an excellent job. But at one point throughout the day, uh, the wind had blown oh. over the drop sheet and it was soiled with, with stain and, and they just continued moving it along and just didn't realize. And it was just, they got stain like all over the deck, but it was, it was ironic because the only reason stain got on this plastic was because they were trying to protect it. So it was just ironic the way it was. And the client honestly was like, you know, a pretty understandable guy. He honestly laughed because he's like, when they were prepping for this job, they could have got away with murder. And the fact that they got stain on this deck is unfathomable. He's like, I feel so bad for you. That's what he said. That's what he said to me. That's such a cool guy. Wow. I know. He's like, dude, I, he's like, ah, I feel so bad for you. But he's like, you could, you know, and I was just like, yeah, we're totally going to have to replace this deck. And so we replaced it. So wait, how much did that cost you? What the fuck? Um, it cost, uh, because we have, and, and, you know, like you, when you were with student works, liability you have insurance. this as well, liability insurance. So I made an insurance claim. Oh, and you my, did. Okay. My, cool. Yeah. My deductible is 1500. So it cost me 1500. Oh, beauty. Yeah. It would have cost me, I think three. Uh, so I was essentially like, we went half, half on it pretty much. That's right? nice. That's yeah. nice. But That's no, nice. it's, it's, it's great. Cause I think that, you know, it really mindfulness is something that it, it you know, I, I don't think I'm a very egotistical person. I, I I'd like to think I'm relatively humble, but it's, it mindfulness is the thing that I'm most proud of. Like I, I guess as, as a human, like I think it's something that people that are mindful should be really proud of the fact that they're mindful because it, in my opinion, it kind of just equips you with like another like you're essentially armed with the viewpoint of mindfulness, in my opinion. Like it, yeah. it's, it's a real, it's just so powerful, you know, and I, I just wish that people that uh, struggle with, with dealing with stress, dealing with anxiety, dealing with their emotions to really just dig into searching for mindfulness. And the one way you can do that is really through meditation. And that's one thing that thanks to this, you know, initiative that we've had and honestly primarily due to my relationship with John is something I've done, you know, meditation. And there's multiple apps you can use. There's an app called Headspace that I used initially. Now I'm using uh, Waking Up with Sam Harris. And the other one is called Calm. Uh, But all of these apps, they're so, so um, intricate and innovative and and really just immersive. And and important. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting? Yeah. So if you, like, if you see someone out in public and they're just completely overweight, it's really obvious you see them. There's no, there's not really much way they can hide it. Like some people who are like casually overweight or they have a couple extra pounds. Okay, fine. They can maybe hide it. Or like, it's, 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 it's kind of, you know, like whatever, like no one will really notice. Right. But there's certain thresholds where obviously you notice it. Right. But it's interesting how with mental health, 
it's not as obvious. I mean, you, it's, it's certainly, it's certainly if you're astute and you really pay attention, okay. You can sort of identify, like, I'm sure that, you know, with your guys' experience in business and one thing I've noticed over the years is that my ability to identify clients who are, let's say problematic is much higher than when I first started. When I first started, oh my God, yeah. I didn't have that yeah. on my radar versus yeah, now, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I feel like I'm a pretty good judge. I mean, there's not, you know, I don't, I, I didn't, one, maybe I just don't encounter as many, but two, I definitely feel like I weed them out, but it's interesting because, well, just that, 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 that dynamic that someone's mental health is not apparent to them. Someone's physical health is very obvious and financial health is also one of those things where it's not incredibly obvious, um, especially when someone's young. As people get older, it's obviously a little bit more obvious because like, you know, how many assets do you have, right? Um, but even that can be deceiving, of course, because, you know, how leveraged is someone? So finances are, you know, you, you can sort of judge people's finances, but not really. I mean, you look at someone like my grandmother. I mean, there's no way in hell you'd ever guess that she was as wealthy as she is. So, but the mental health dynamic is super fascinating because, you know, people just sort of neglect this area because it's, you can hide it, right? You can just hide behind this thing. Well, you know, I'm not going to take care of my mental health. You know, the fact that like, I mean, going to the gym is pretty common because obviously there's, there's just intrinsic benefits, not only for yourself, but just socially. I mean, people are just going to look at you differently if you're in, in, uh, in good health, um, physically, but mentally, the fact that meditation is still just like a side note here, that, that this is not so common that, it, you know, I know it's maybe becoming more mainstream, but mental health seems to be this thing where people um, don't take it seriously. The same way that we take physical health seriously. I think, you know what, John, I actually like, I, I agree with everything you just said there. And I think what could even be added on to that is it's not that people don't take it seriously it's kind of this healthy mix of stigma and ambiguity, right? Like stigma is thankfully on the decline. In my opinion, I think that people are more comfortable having conversations around mental health than maybe, you know, 20 years ago. However, there's a large, large ambigu uh, ambiguity and, and like kind of just confusion and, and lack of clarity around how exactly you exercise mental health and, and as much as physical health, right? How, how you, how you, practice mental health uh, or or promoting uh, positive ways of thinking and general problem solving critical thinking skills and and having comp like all you know there's so much diversity in terms of what it really means to have a strong resilient and positive mental health or, or if that yeah. even makes sense right like it's not as clear to a lot of people i think right like to go to the gym and get in really good physical shape eat well, exercise a lot, sleep well, make sure that you have good habits, right? Like, you know, good routine, hit those four things, you'll get in really good shape. There isn't a simple equation like that. And it's not simple. I get that like, you know, nutrition can be complex and your workout can be complex. But generally speaking, the formula for physical health is so much more clear to people than the formula for mental health. I, I, I really think that people want to have good mental health. I just don't think they know how. I sort of and disagree. I, like okay. I, I say sort of as in like, okay, I agree that like, okay, like if, if, if you ask the average person, okay, how do you get in good shape? I feel like even fat people could tell you, you know, how you get in good shape. For I mean, sure. Much everybody could tell you, oh, you could run, you could hundred percent, whatever. I mean, everyone can name exercises, right? 
okay, if, if said, okay, how would you promote, you know, uh, proper mental health? I think some people would say meditation, you know, people would list some things. Okay. But this is one that's, I mean, just mind boggling to me. And maybe it's because I'm so out of it now, but it, to me, it's incredibly obvious what harms mental health. Like the, the fact that social media is like, I view social media, this, I, like, I, I'm, you know, this is my prediction. Okay. I think that in, you know, however many years we're all going to look back and see social media the same way that all of us look at smoking. Yeah. I could see that being an outcome for sure. I could. And if anybody listened to the last episode and watched the episode on black mirror, we spoke about called nosedive. I want to know your feedback on it. Cause I was fascinated by it. It's about like all the negative impacts of social media. And if this is the first episode you're listening to, or, or one of the first, go watch nosedive episode is called nosedive and the show is called black mirror. It kind of speaks to all the negative trickle down impacts of what society would look like if it was heavily based on social media. But yeah. But where I was going with that though, is I think it's incredibly obvious what's harming people's mental health, but yeah, but, but like most things though, it's incredibly obvious from an outside perspective, like Ammer, if you saw someone hanging out with, you know, a bunch of, people who all are part of the same social circle who are all making poor decisions. They're all drinking heavily on the weekends, um, you know, using social media, not pursuing education, um, you know, not getting good physical exercise, you know, not eating well, not developing their relationships. You know, you could go down. It would be so obvious. I mean, mainly just because I listed them, but, but I feel like, you know, three self-help books and you kind of already know, okay, you know, you are the five people you hang out with, right? Seek education, you know, get your body, your temple in order. Like, like, like three self-help books in you're already, you you got like at least half of it. Okay. Then, then tell me this, John, how, how come I still haven't changed my friend group? Cause that's literally who you just described my, my closest friend group. Well, I, I couldn't say why, but I, but I could, I could, I could comment on my own friend group. Cause I, I had, I had, I feel like I've talked about this many times in the podcast, but mm-hmm. I'll just kind of give a quick, quick summary for those people who didn't listen to the previous episodes. So I hung on with a friend group that, um, I, I'd been friends with him since like grade seven. We were friends until like first year of university for me. And we kind of actually we're all just average kids in grade seven. Like none of us were like particularly, I mean, like I was a really good basketball player. I was a pretty good athlete. So was my, you know, my one friend, um, uh, S we'll call him S was a very good, uh, athlete as well. Um, you know, B was just a typical kid. It was two couple B's. Um, you know, G was, uh, um, maybe like a, a lower income indiv- uh, fam- from a low, very low income family, but you know, he still hung out with us. Very cool. We were just, you would not identify any of us as just like those kids. Right. But then you fast forward to high school, uh, you know, we're, we're seen as the uh, sort of like the um, not outcast, but you know, troublemakers. Um, so, well, I mean, define troublemaker, but we were smoking. Like, here's the actions that we were doing. So we were smoking weed uh, you know, we would get all, we, we were all working at, for the most part, all of us were working night shift jobs. You know, I was, uh, you know, S and I were working at, uh, Wendy's and we would work until about 1am and then we would go hang out with, uh, 
uh, his girlfriend and the other people. And uh, we would do, um, you know, you know, we would do lots of marijuana. We'd smoke lots of marijuana. Uh, you know, sometimes we'd do these things called poppers or yachties. And then you basically just mix the tobacco in there. And that, that was like a total trip. That was terrible. Um, you know, started getting into harder drugs, um, you know, drinking plenty, drinking and driving, uh, driving high. I mean, just smoking, you know, in, in, in elementary school parking lots, um, hanging out until about 5, 6 a.m. in the morning, um, you know, not, not educating ourselves whatsoever. I mean, not, not, not really pursuing any sort of education, um, really just living in the moment in quotations, right? Like just trying to maximize the instant gratification. Um, you know, we were getting actually pretty decent exercise, but certainly was not going on the right path. And, you know, playing tons of video games. Um, okay. Getting into fights with our family, our friends. Basically, long story short, after a while, I basically just looked around and, and, and saw a trend line and saw that this is just clearly not where I want to go. And so why did I, I dump my friends? Because... I realized that I was on a ship that was going in the direction I didn't want to go. And I wasn't even, I wasn't the captain of the ship either. Question. What if you just lowered the frequency you hung out with those people? What if you just hung out with them once a week for two hours, three hours? I did. I lowered it down. I hang out with them about once a year now. Oh, so it slowly just drops off. Yeah. Well, at first it, it had to be, well, there was an interesting dynamic and, and, and maybe this is like a, like a, like a life hack for those people who are trying to ditch their friends. You know, there was an interesting dynamic because, you know, I had like tried sort of making some improvements, you know, like I, I you know, like we were all smoking cigarettes and, and stuff like that. And, and so, um, actually, well, the first one was the, the marijuana. So I quit marijuana, um, because I was getting severe anxiety from, from smoking it and, um, and so, well, actually, even before that, there was the poppers. I quit the poppers. They continued on. So now I was the only one not doing poppers. Then I quit marijuana. Then I'm the only one not doing marijuana, right? And then I started taking my education really seriously in grade 12. And then I was the only one that was really doing that, right? And then, you know, I started doing all these things that were differentiating me from them. And I was sort of like seen as like, um, um, well, I was seen as different than them. Like, I mean, I was like the outcast within my own group because of these decisions I was making, right? And there was sort of like that crabs in the bucket sort of uh, sensation where like, you know, the, the more I differentiated myself from them, there was this interesting uh, dynamic that developed in the relationship where, well, one, I sort of actually did think I was superior to them, but so they noticed this and this superiority caused a huge rift in our relationships because I just disapproved of their lifestyle, yet I continued to hang out with them. And they, they clearly knew that I disapproved of them. And I think that they also felt ashamed of their lifestyle because I think that they all knew that clearly this is not, you know, that these are just not good decisions, right? What, um, if, what if you didn't judge them and just accepted them the way they are? And do you think it, it would have eliminated that superiority? Yeah, certainly. Judgment? Yeah, certainly there was a, yeah. Well, definitely because, so now when I hang out with them, I can actually just sit in those, I mean, like it's, it's interesting because I can sit there and laugh with them and I can sort of have like a good time, but I still question the utility of even that because, you know, I'm, I'm listening to the, there's maybe some utility. I mean, like, to give an example of just like, you know, it, it, to be around that type of mindset, I just find it's almost like I'm tainting my own water. So there's like, like to give an example, there was this one, my one friend and his father, um, 
his father was diagnosed with lung cancer and he had to get surgery and take one of his lungs out. And, um, he, he, this, my friend was telling me all about this and how he was like, I was like, I it was actually so interesting. Cause I said, to, I said, Hey, how, how are you? Right. Like, like I, I really looked him dead in the eyes and I was like, I was like, Hey, like, how are you? Right. Like, how are you really doing? Right. And he said, man, I'm not doing very good. And I was kind of shocked by that. And I was like, why? He's like, well, my father, you know, got diagnosed with cancer as this long thing. I said, when did that happen? He said a year ago. And I'm thinking to myself a year ago, like, okay. I mean, I guess it's still harm. I guess it's still affecting you, but I mean, that's like, I mean, he's, he's been adding fuel and this is the opposite of mindfulness, right? This guy has been throwing, you know, um, fuel on the metaphorical kind of bonfire of this, of this, you know, event for a year. And I said, well, we kind of talked about it for a little bit. And, and then I said, well, you know, like, you know, we, the, the conversation basically concluded. And I said, you know, what? hey, man, I wish your father well. And, and I wish you good health and went on it. Right. And the guy stood up, no joke, walked outside and lit a cigarette. Oh, yeah. First of all, that, that was powerful, powerful story there. And, and the reason actually I was asking all of these questions, I don't know if you picked this up, I think you did. It's because I am in a very similar situation where, man, I just love my friends a lot. And there was that period in second year university where that superiority came in. But because I had the, the sort of training and, and self-awareness, I was lucky enough to eliminate it. and the solution I put in place was to actually just limit my time with them to, you know, two, three hours a week on a Saturday night. And I still would call them, you know, you know, really good friends, but there's this invasive thought that comes in, you know, after some of the, some of these weeks, like for example, like yesterday, like a, a fight broke out, and like some stuff happened that was just, just threw me off mentally. And it's like, am I actually tainting my water? And so, but it's such a tough dynamic because one of the biggest things that was delivered in like, for example, the Tony Robbins seminar was you might have to change your friend group. And I don't think I can do that. Like, I just gotta be honest. I. That's probably like the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with. And it's that. And I think, I don't know, just like your opinion on that. I mean, you guys well, know it's interesting pretty well. Because I don't have that struggle at all. And I never have. And so it's, it's, it's interesting to hear that you have that because oh, it's I huge, found myself man. in similar situations, but I never really had that struggle. Like, I mean, to even give like a, I mean, and, it, and this is like, this is like since day one that I've never had this struggle. I mean, you got to think, oh. like, you got to think like when I was, when I was 11, I moved out of my mother's house and that was my decision. Like, so like I was living with my mom and um, she had, so my, like, so the, the dad that I grew up with, right, who I consider my dad, uh, my mother and him, uh, his name's Jamie. I uh, got a divorce when I was like eight or nine or something like that. And, and that was just so chaotic. I mean, the stories 
that I could tell about that. I mean, just fucking nuts, like crazy shit. I'm talking like, you know, SWAT team kicking down the door, like, you know, because my, 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 uh, my mother and, and my stepfather grew marijuana in the basement. Actually, on the other side of the wall of my bedroom was the grow up. And, and it, was, it was actually a perfect house for, for grow ups. I see why they, they, they did. I mean, it's just so perfect. And, but on the other side of the wall, so I mean, I had like the SWAT team kick down the door. Like, well, I mean, I was on the, on the, I was in the computer room at the end of this long hallway and I looked down, the fucking door comes flying off, like, you know, that kind of shit. You know, I've seen my mom chase my dad around with a knife, like legitimately trying to like fucking like end this guy's life kind of thing. I've been like underneath the kitchen sink with my mom and my, my, my two sisters, actually my one sister, my one brother, my other, my older sister was out of the house. And like my, my stepdad's pounding on the door and my mom's like, he's got a gun and he's going to kill us kind of thing. Right. <laughs> like, oh, no, I'm serious. Man. It was so, I didn't it's think insane. that he had a gun. I knew that he didn't have a gun. Like I knew that he, <laughs> but, but, like, my mom was very dramatic and but, still yeah, kind yeah. of, it, not, <laughs> not, 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 yeah. And, and point being, so I, you know, so all these experiences, right. And, and, um, and just, I mean, just like basically just chaos. Right. And so I remember at 11, I was like, fuck this, man. Like, I'm out of here. Like, this is so wild. Like, and, um, and so, like, I had no problem with that. Like, I was 11 years old, and the thought of – I moved out of my mom's house when I was 11 to move in with my dad. And I didn't talk to my mom for seven years. And I did that in a heartbeat. And I don't know why. Like, I, so think it's, it, I think it's because it was just so extreme and you were – like within it. No, but like even with my friends though, like I remember like, I literally remember the, like the phone call. I was driving up Shoot Lake Road. I was going cold calling with two, two of my cold callers, uh, Nick Masulo and, and Tristan Ekman. I remember the conversation distinctly. And I was, I was talking to my buddy. I was talking to my, 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 two, my two friends and I, and I basically just told them I didn't want to be friends with them anymore. And they, they called me out about how I thought I was superior to them. And and I said, I was like, I was like, of course I am. I'm like, like in the same way that like a homeless person is just not as valuable as like Bill Gates is to society. Oh, and sure. I basically just called them out on this. Now, I mean, I've changed my views a lot, obviously on a lot of this. This is, this is. Yes, I know. You know six, five, six years ago. But, um, but I remember just like, like that just dropped. Like I was, yeah. just did it flop. so it's interesting how you, so you're on the other side of it where hundred percent, you just can't drop these individuals. Right. No. And I think, I think the main difference is I've never smoked cigarettes with them. I've never smoked weed. I never actually participated in those activities. And so I was always the outcast in the group until my position of being the outcast was now like a cool thing within my friend group. It's like, Oh, that's a mirror. Like he's, He's the motivated one. We love this guy. Yeah, I had same same dynamic. Yeah, you see what I mean, and and so oh. like if we got pulled over, everyone shut up and let me talk. Like that was exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. oh, here comes the cops. Let him here do his thing. Yeah, 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 let, yeah. Let him go talk to them. Yeah, um, or like hey, there's some girls there. Amir, go bring him here. And I'm like, okay, I'll go do that. All right. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I want to start a business, Amir. What advice do you give me? You know, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But uh. Yeah, and I really do think, and the reason I bring this up is so that, you know, if I'm blind to something, you know, Austin right now, you can tell me if I'm being blind to it, but I yeah. think it is possible to still maintain those friendships. Um, yeah, so Emma, knowing I, can't what speak, I, know. I can't speak for you because I, I think I only met your friends once. Like I met your friends when I was in Toronto last summer briefly. I met them like uh, maybe like 45 minutes max. That was a great day. 
Yeah. It was a collision was awesome. of, of like, that was Dude, so cool. I was in Toronto to, for to a me, family like, wedding. It was, it was, it was cool to see you like in your own setting. I'd never been to Toronto with you and I was in, I was there for a family wedding already oh, and Amber and I connected day. in, uh, in, um, yeah. yeah John, we're coming out to BC and we're going to recreate yes. the same scene there. Okay? Yes. Yeah. And, um, so I can't speak to your friend cause I don't know them very well. They seem like they're just a very loyal group of guys that enjoy 100%. spending time together. They yeah. just enjoy spending, and, and they would probably sac they would sacrifice so much for one another. And it's yeah. like just being a part of that friend group is amazing. And I don't know. And it sounds like my general inclination would be that the habits of your friends are something that you're trying to maybe distance yourself from just on like a personal basis. Um, but the odds not- of me like taking on these habits are like nil. Cause I've yeah, always been well, okay. So, so, so the, oh, okay. yeah, go ahead, Austin. I want, well, I no. So, so the, the reality is, yeah, I don't think you're going to actively take on any of those bad habits, but just the, the, by virtue of spending time with those people, possibly it's, it's not necessarily something that somebody like you could be doing. And, 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 you know, we know that you're, you've been successful with a lot of different uh, endeavors that you've went on and maybe spent like, it's just, but here's the question, man. Yeah, w- yeah. Would, would I have been more successful? Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I get it. Look, you, you're asking me about my friends, though. Okay, so I think is what you were referencing. No, no, I was just oh, asking okay. like your opinion on the subject. Okay, Amber, sure. how much would you pay to hang out with your friends? Like, yeah, if per, per week? That's that's a weird question. How much would you pay? That's like a weird per question. month, per week. No, I, I know, it's, I know, it's a weird question, but like at one point in time, like I thought about my friends, and I was like, I just wouldn't pay very much like i was like 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 if anything i don't want to be paid to hang out with them that like i got to the point where like this is so like 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 here's the thing ammer i would pay like at least 100 bucks an hour to hang out with you like if i had to because i know that by hanging out with you i would derive more than 100 dollars in value i know that some people are like oh john just cares about money okay, it's not that okay so yeah, i'm I know, not I know, I know. not just a money thing but i'm just it's an easy way to think about it yeah if i hung out with you I would, I mean, this conversation each week, I mean, it's so valuable, right? I mean, I would pay probably a thousand dollars to have this conversation each week. I mean, it's just so valuable to me, right? Whereas you'd have to pay me to hang out with my old friends because I'm literally losing money by hanging out with them. Like I'm not walking away a better person. If if I was hanging out with all my friends at the same time, I would actually be more than happy to pay a hundred an hour. Well, there you go. So there you go. So then hang out yeah. with them, right? I mean, if you, if you, if you genuinely feel like you're getting the value, right? Oh dude. Yeah. They, like I, I relax like no other, like when, remember Austin, we went on vacation to Mexico. Like I relaxed, but I, I, I relax way more when I'm around my friends. And yeah. bad, I, I suppose yeah. another thing too is bad people or sorry, not bad people. Um, bad habits doesn't necessarily mean toxic people. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, I, I have bad habits, 100%. Yeah, well, we all do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we all do. Yeah. But toxic relationships are toxic and you should find your way out of them, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, I, I, I think that the thing that I, uh, I'm maybe most happy, yeah, I guess it's probably the, our, our strongest point is my group of friends were, were seven guys and we all do such different things like such different things. At one point we even started to, we, <laughs> not a lot of people know about this and because it's never been released because we couldn't release it. <laughs> but we tried to start a podcast at one point called the liabilities. And, yes, uh, and, and we started a podcast called the liabilities. We never published an episode because we were never comfortable with it, but 
we thought that, you know, because look, I, uh, I'm the, like, I guess you could say like the business owner guy, the business guy, the goes to school for business. I'm that guy. And then there's one of our friends that's like, uh, um, he was, he was on, uh, Canada's national fly fishing team. He's a really good, uh, fisherman hunter and actually works in the industry of fishing and wildlife and is a, is a, is a, um, a guide and also sells products for all those brands that sell those types of products. And, uh, another one of our friends is a chef. Another one is a, um, uh, like they all, they all, one of them works for a consulting company. Like we just have a huge, and, and then two other of them are opening a gym. And it's like, Dude, we're all just pretty so successful friend. Group, I was going to say, I want to hang out with your friends, man. No, what no. the hell? I don't, I don't think these people <laughs> no, no, are no, bad. No, or no, no, no. I'm not saying anybody's bad. Okay. Don't, uh, sorry if it sounded like if there was a butt coming. Um, yeah, yeah. However, when we, <laughs> yeah, but there's something to be said because we've all been friends since we were like five, six years old. Right. And there's, there's this phenomenon that happens. Actually, one of our, one of the guys in our friend group is, uh, is a, is BC's, uh, canoe kayak coach. And he's going to murder me cause I totally butchered that title, but he's a, he's a high level coach of, of top water paddlers and, and canoers and, 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 and BC. So, I mean, connection out there, but, um, there's something to be said for when we all get together and hang out, uh, for example, we, we went on that Euro trip over Christmas break to, to go see the world junior hockey championship in, in Czech Republic. And when, and there was five of us that went and when the five of us or the eight of us or seven of us, however, the, I don't even know how many there are of us, whenever we get together, our IQ is like, it, it plummets and our, 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 our actions and our, um, I mean, we just have a great time. But anyway, like it, we, we all just kind of use the time we spend together as kind of like blowing off steam, which is amazing. It's, it's amazing to have that group of friends. And so Amber, I think that that actually helps me perform better in my life. I think if I didn't have those relationships with my friends that we talk to each other every day, uh, if we didn't have those relationships and one of them's Mark, one of them's the person I co-own my business with, right? Well, like apply it back into uh, mindfulness. Apply it back into mindfulness. Well, like, so if become self-aware, right. And realize like, you know, are you just telling yourself, I mean, now I'm not making this claim by the way, but like for me, when I reflected on, is this, you know, cause I also use that same thing of all oh, blow off the steam, blah, 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 blah. And then it ended up actually just harming me. Now in your situation, it sounds like it actually is benefiting you, right? But it's yeah. worth bringing back to mindfulness of actually saying, okay, are the claims that I'm making about my friends true? Oh, yeah. or are they like self-serving? Is it actually benefiting you though? Right? Yeah, because yeah. I like, I'll give you an example. I had this, I had this guy, he ran student works. He was pretty successful in, in uh, student works West. And he, he legitimately, was trying to argue, okay, that going to the nightclubs was good for his business. What right? was his business? Student works? Yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> because, you Sorry, know, so, okay, hold on. Like networking, uh, relaxing, you know, building relationships, blah, 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 blah. And I don't think he was being genuine with himself. Like, I really don't think that he actually reflected and really did an analysis. Oh, and okay. Said, I see no, what you mean. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Like, so it, it, this is not, it, the, the reason why I want to bring this up is it's not, so Amherst situation, Austin situation, 
you know, it sounds like you guys actually derive a benefit and, and, it's, and it's better for all of you and your friends. But that's not to say that our viewers should just fall on that of, well, hold on, I got to blow off steam. I got to hang with my friends because it may actually be harming you and it's worth acknowledging that, right? I remember, yeah. Yeah, like I think if I look at it objectively, it, you know, we, we all provide each other with such good insight in terms of our, our, our lives, our problems. Well, they know we, you so well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't change those relationships for the world. I think that none of us would. I think it's very rare that, I don't know how long you've known these guys for Amber, but like, you know, the, the friends I have. Nine uh, years. Yeah. So long time. And I think that, you know, you look at the time investment that all of us have made to like getting to know each other. And have we ever had arguments with one another? Oh man, of course. Uh, and have we ever like, you know, thought that one person was like totally out of line and, and was very angry with them and, and thought that they, like with your saying, John, not providing actual value for us uh, for sure. But I think that the, the, just the general feeling that you get when you have um, a larger Friends group have to of provide value. Well, that's what you're saying, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, I'm asking you. Yeah, that's what I, 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 I think they do. I think they do from a point. Of, like, am I, am I completely jaded on that? I mean, n- no, no, no. I think it comes back to what we've said a lot here: is that you know, I believe you're an average of the five people you spend the most time with. And if you hang out with people that you think don't serve the, the, if you actively seek to hang out with people and spend time with people that you don't think proactively promote your, you know, you getting better, it, then you're not really doing yourself enough justice because we're humans. We're malleable. We want to associate with other people and other things and brands. I, I, I think that if we don't associate with things that we know to help us grow, then we're not really doing our job. Therefore, well, yes, I think it has to provide value. And in my situation, it does. I think in Amherst situation, it does. And we can't really look at these things and say, hey, these people in these groups, like, and I, it's not like my friends do, but like, oh, they have this behavior that makes me question that. Like, if that's what you're thinking, Amherst. John, send us home. Well, I mean, I know that you probably want to end this podcast, but can we just carry this for five minutes? Because there's a point that I kind of want yeah. to ask you. So. Do you ever, like, I always felt, okay, so like, so I never, after dropping my friends, I never really went out and got another friend group. And still to this day, I don't have like a friend group. Yeah. Anymore, right. Like you guys are my friends. Like, but yep. I actually only have, this is fast. I only have two friends in, in, in Kelowna. Right. And I hang out with the one guy we go for walks every, you know, couple of weeks. And one guy we get together, you know, as a friend every, I mean, cause my girlfriend's best friends with his girlfriend. So that's why we, we like, yeah. game nights. but otherwise him and I would get together every three months. That was like our, our thing. Right. And that basically consists of all my friendships. I mean, other than just phoning people, like I have a lot of people I phone. Right. Mm-hmm. But I've never really felt the need to go out and actually just like have these friends. Right. And when I did have friends, I felt like most, I would almost say almost all of my bad habits were encouraged by my friends. So I, I would have like, let's say like Netflix, video games, drinking, smoking, whatever. Mm-hmm. Those were all things that my, my other friends also shared. We see we all had this, like, this, this cesspool of bad habits, right? And when I dropped them, I really took that, I mean, maybe this is me just construing that, that statement. I'm sure you guys have heard it. You are the average of the five people you most identify with. Yeah. And so 
what I did, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this. What I did is, I mean, I basically went and just dove myself into books and became friends with these authors, quote unquote. I just read their thoughts. I just read them. I listened to these podcasts right. over and over again. Right, right, right. Like thousands and thousands of hours. And so like, I would say like the five people that I'm like, that I would identify with, I don't even know me. Like I know them, but they don't know me. Like I, I, I've just read them. I've listened to their podcasts. And so the question is, in that context, does it actually take two to tango? <clears throat> well, yeah, Do it does. Think- I mean, if they didn't write the book, if they didn't make the podcast. They didn't write it for you. And you're not saying anything to them. Well, they did kind of write it for him, but not okay, him okay. personally. But he's not saying anything to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is that one, can you maintain a friendship that's uh, based on one-sided communication? And that's a very interesting question that I actually don't know how to answer. I don't even know how to start the answer that. Because then the question is... Like I spend uh, more time, like, like quote unquote, let's say, with Sam Harris. My girlfriend's number one. Actually, to be honest, I spend more time with Sam Harris than I do my own girlfriend. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because okay, I, yeah. like every time I jog, I'm basically listening to his. Like I, I read. I've like I've listened to his one book, Lying. It's like a, it's like a short little book. I've listened to that book probably twenty times. Yeah, right. Last last summer, I spoke to one of my managers in my business more than he spoke to his girlfriend. So I totally yeah like yeah, yeah 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 like that's what I mean. Like, but like I've also spent more time, you know, uh, you know. I've just, I've spent so much more time. I mean, Sam Harris, uh, you know, even Joe Rogan. I mean, you know, I mean, I spend a lot of time listening to his podcast too. Right. Yeah. yeah. But then what, what, what does it mean to be a friend to somebody? Cause if you're calling, here's a question. Well, I wouldn't, just I wouldn't say context, Sam Harris. No, I would, would never call, claim that I was friends Okay. With okay. Good. Okay. No, no, I would never, no, dude, that would be like a little psychotic, I think. Okay. I was going <laughs> to say, okay, great. No, great no, I don't know. I never claimed it. No, but I'm saying, but, it, but where I was going with that was the five people that you would, um, that you hang out with the most, like, you know, your five people you associate with the most. So I think we should split people and actual things that influence. So I, I think the quote, you're the average of the five people you hang out with is just citing people. Because our distinct human nature is to be around people. And so that really highly applies. However, there's other things that influence the way you think. So like the books you read, the music you listen to, the TV you watch, that those are other things that can influence your day to day. But us as humans, I think why this quote is so powerful when, when it's saying you're the average of five people you're with, because us as humans will apply like a, an exponential factor on the amount we can get influenced by other people. But are you so, not scared of like, like, you know, if you look at like, you have a big pool of water and you're like, okay, I got Mark, I got a cup of Marcus Aurelius, going to toss that in there. I got a cup of Sam Harris, toss that in there. I got a cup of Steve Jobs, throw that in there, yeah. right? Stop a, um, a cup of my old friends. Well, I don't think it would be a cup of I friends. I want to throw it in there. I don't think your friends would be water in that example. I think they'd be more like colored dye. So it's a totally different medium. So let's say John. Yeah, you, I agree you with never, you. you it's never not the read, same thing. Yeah, let's say you never read or understood anything about Sam Harris, but I was an embodiment of everything, of all his thoughts. I think you would take more from our relationship than you are currently taking from just listening yeah, and it, to sure. his stuff and reading his stuff. So I am 100% the embodiment of Sam Harris. Right. Or I am, let's say I am Sam Harris, 
you will understand his concepts more if you hang out with Sam Harris than if you're just exposed to his stuff. And so let's say I am the Why do you think that is? Well, it's because us as humans, that's one of our flaws. We over, uh, I think we put more emphasis and over rely on. Oh, okay. Sorry. This human okay, interaction. I have, this. Amber, I have to ask you this because this, this has been on my mind for so many years. Okay. Why is it that it seemed like to me that I would always take on my friend's bad habits, but they wouldn't take on my good habits? I think, oh, I would. Do you know what I mean? Like it was, it was interesting because it, it, I mean, like for like, okay, yeah, go ahead. Amber. The opposite is actually happening within my friend group. So my friends are starting to take on my good habits. Ah, a couple of them, is, yeah. A couple of my friends have started a business. A couple of my friends have stopped yeah. doing bad things with with women in terms of like relationships. A couple of my friends have started to drink less. A couple of my friends have started to exercise more. Yeah. And I'm yet to, you know, well, take a drink from a flask. Me like this Marcus Aurelius quote where he asks, you know, he asks himself to like analyze, like, who are you? Right. And it's sort of like a, it's not a deep fear of mine, but it's certainly something that I, I that I don't want to maybe admit, but it seems like, you know, cause my grandfather had mentioned this to me too. Cause I asked my grandfather that same question. He said, well, I can't speak on that, but he's like, but like, if you think about it, like, um, if you're a bright enough light, yes. people will follow. Right. And, you know, if you're overcome by the darkness, well, then you're, you're just, you become that, right. So you maybe want to get away from it. Yeah. And so it's sort of an interesting thing, Amr, where like, you're potentially just a much brighter light than I am. And so you're able to, um, impact the world just a lot more than i mean potentially i can just in this given moment like your 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 impact in your friend group was like you achieved more because obviously i wanted well for my friends like i really did you know and there's have you ever had um I, i'm not sure amra it sounds like you're you know have you ever had guilt in the sense that like i think about it that like there's absolutely no reason that i can think of okay like if you were to take you know, just a snapshot, you know, in like just an objective write up, okay, of all of my friends and myself, you know, like, you know, every couple of years, right? Let's say 10 years ago or whatever, right? And just gave it to a bunch of random strangers. A, a snapshot of what? Of just our lives. Of your, of like its achievements or what exactly? What's the context? Just a snapshot, you know, like okay, 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 situation, okay. you know, how much the family like, makes. Like events, know, events. Uh, you know, how they spend their time, blah, 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 their thoughts, blah, blah, blah. There's no reason why someone would pick me as the one that would have like escaped that like trap that they all found themselves in. You know what I mean? Like, like I was the only one that at, at least so far, okay, that in my opinion escaped that like just completely below average lifestyle that you could that you could live your life with, okay? Like they continued on that downward trend. But like there's no reason like at least to me, like if you're looking back at it, like there's no reason why you would isolate me and be like, oh yeah, John was the one that was definitely destined to get out of that. Like, like I had friends that were like, they were like, they were smarter than me. They were, you know, more athletically inclined. Like there was no reason why you would have picked me. Right. But I did. So like, there's almost like a guilt aspect to that. Have you ever felt that before? Of like, why was so, I the lucky one, so to speak? Yes. 
And to the way to combat that is I think comes back to the light thing is because all my resources I've excessively and without any, I've literally almost like I've cried sometimes of just how painful it was but because of that guilt that the way I handled it was I took all my resources, which was like landmark, my coaches, student works, everything. And I made sure that I offered it to my friend group at the best way possible. And so three of my friends came out to the landmark forum introduction and they had a chance to make a decision and they chose to not do it. But my guilt dropped a little. I'm like, okay, I did my part. They were in control and they chose not to. Yeah. And then, and then the student works came and then I offered them student works. Yeah. And then they're like, mm, it's not for me. Okay. No problem. Here's this book that I'm doing. I'm going to UFT. I'm about to graduate. I used to buy my friend's books. I used to buy my friend's books. Cause yeah. like these books were having such a tremendous impact in my life. I remember the one book that I gave to every single one of my, it's actually sitting right there. I can see it right now. It's just, it's just slipping out of the, of the thing. It's actually <laughs> incredible that it's showing. Cause there's no reason why it should be showing right now. <laughs> uh, Darren Hardy's um, compound effect. Yeah. And I used to buy that book, my friends. And no, I don't know if any of them ever read it. Yeah. But that's, but, but that's you dealing and with lowering the guilt. I did it by like having conversations and calls and yeah. sit downs and, and even landmark introductions. I hosted in my house, a landmark intro where I had 10 of my closest friends on a couch, ready to make a decision to join landmark. They all Love said it. no. Love it. And I just knew I did my part. And that was probably the toughest year of my entire friendship because they were like, oh, Amir's being really weird. He wants us to change. He's telling us about this cult to join. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And that's when actually the shift I did, I got coaching on that. And the coaching I got from Landmark, from like one of the best people out there on in the, in the downtown center, was that I was actually judging them. And that was the reason why maybe they weren't taking actions. Yeah. Yeah. And so I removed that judgment and I was able to hang out with them without like making them wrong in my head. I was like, oh, I'm better. And yeah. that's, that's when really my flame, I, I feel like I've achieved oh, interesting. Zen, yeah. zen with my friendship. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And that yeah, was yeah. my process. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Huh. Like I, I had the same thing with a few friends. Right and wrong. Yeah. A few friends a in particular, I was trying to get to do landmark and, uh, and, and it got to the point in the discussion where I was so, it was so obvious to me the impact that it would have on them positively because of X and Y and different situations in their life that I knew about and kind of just the, I knew what was possible for them if they did it. So I just had like these really long conversations with them about it. And at one point, which made me really feel bad about the level of conversation we were having it made me feel really bad because he, one of my friends at one point was like, yo, like, are you like, do you get like a commission off of, off of me doing it? And I would yeah, ask yeah, that yeah. question. I'm like, Oh man, I totally missold this. Like it, I know. like it, 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 my heart sank. Cause I'm like, man, the fact that they think that I'm going to benefit from this, like financially is yeah. so ridiculous. Yeah. And it made me feel so bad. Cause it made me think like how it must look in their eye like what the fuck yeah, exactly. is he talking oh, about man no, but like, i had such so, a big one like that yeah yeah it's so uh, it's just like you just want to put your hand yeah, but in your austin palm. what we what you and i and john went through in that scenario is all of our responsibility because yeah. we were yeah, impounding yeah. our judgment that you need this you're broken you yeah need to do this. not the case and that's exactly why they didn't do it yeah i know 
came out at the wrong way. But 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 like I find myself in life so many times like that where you know I, I genuinely want good for other people. Okay. Like yeah. I want good for my clients. I want good yeah. for my you know yeah, show. I want good for you yes. guys. Like I really want good for people. And it's so fascinating sometimes when I end like when I um because I did I don't that wasn't always true. I really don't think that was always true. I think that you know a couple of years ago, five, six years ago, I really don't I, I know for a fact I was really not acting in other people's best interest. I was, oh, totally. I was yeah, simply was sense. not. But lately, I mean, in the last year, I mean, especially this year, really genuinely committed to trying to do good for others, right? And it's so fascinating when you have that mindset or this mindset and I face conflict and I'm like, oh, this is so interesting because, you know, <laughs> this person just doesn't understand that I'm actually trying to do them good, right? Like, like I'm trying to help you, right? And it's, it's, it's just... Yeah. It's um, like, there was like this, this client. I mean, I, I'll just tell one last story here just cause I, I know everyone has to go, but um, because the story is so good with this. So I had this client and, and we were so delayed because of rain, uh, you know, just, just constantly just raining and, and, and delaying their project. And uh, there was also some, like some other stuff that was just, you know, pretty much just bad luck. So point being their, their project was so delayed. And so I phoned this guy and, you know, and I, and I, it was one of those ones where it already had been delayed a while because of rain and I had to phone him like a third time to say, Hey man, like we, we just can't start your house yet. And he was so upset. He's like, what do you mean? You can't start my house. Like you're just, you know, fucking me around basically like what's going on. And I said, I said like, you know, like Fred, like I'm not like, believe me, like I actually want to paint your house. Like, like in a perfect world, I would actually be in your, like I would be at your house right now with my painters making money. Like I'm a capitalist, right? Like I make money by painting your home. Like, as you can imagine, like I actually also am frustrated. Like I also want your house to be started right now. It's just not the reality. And uh, I don't know if you ever saw it that I was actually on his side. And I feel like there's so many things in life right now where both people are actually both sides, both teams are both fighting for the same thing, but neither side realizes they're both the same objective. Like we both wanted this house to start. Mm -hmm. That's actually why I, I am obsessed with public speaking, sales, a, a communication. It, it's, it's because it, it's because of that. Like the ability to master communication where I can clearly create and speak my thoughts to you and you receive them at like a hundred percent clarity without like any muffled or like noise around it. I think that's like a superhuman ability. That's so fascinating. Yeah. Cause the, the like the hit rate on that conversation was probably about 70%. Yeah. Like he saw what I was saying, but he said to me at one point, he's like, John, like, you're a fast talker. You're just trying to, you know, you're trying to screw me around. Like you need to be here on Monday. And I'm like, Oh, interesting. Like this guy thinks that I'm trying to, I mean, he still thinks that I'm just this yeah. contractor who's delaying him. Like yeah. what is it that he doesn't understand? Because I know that I actually want to be at his house. He doesn't know that. So like, the, what, the, what have the, I not, where have I failed? In my <laughs> yeah. The greatest leaders of our time, the greatest generals, politicians, revolutionaries book writers are just simply the greatest communicators yeah. and their hit rates are between 95 to 100 percent yeah 
Because if I can communicate an idea that's pure at a 99% level, you will go out your house, you will go out your house and you will protest because it's going to hit so raw, so deep, so pure that it'll literally get you moving. It's like, it's like hypnosis. Yeah. And so that's why I was so obsessed with a lot of the stuff that Landmark did because you had these, these leaders who can easily become very successful politicians because they were so good, so good at communicating. Like I always love asking this question. Not many people understand yeah. this question and one day you'll, you'll, you will. But if you had the communic- if you had the communication skills of a Landmark Forum leader, what would be possible in your life? Think about that. If a landmark foreign leader was on on that call with Fred, you know Fred would would have hung up that call. Being, Thank you, John, for calling me. This is just a tough time. It's so true, man. Like, and and that's what I'm aspiring to every day. And and that's yeah. why with this consulting business, I am simply mastering the art of communication. Like I, and I, I and, yeah, in landmark, there was this guy on the first day. Your classic, like, this is bullshit. Get me out of here. I hate this. This is some bullshit. Whatever. And he said that in the morning and by the next morning he asked to speak in front of, cause he had made a scene. Right. And then the landmark forum leader like worked with him in the room. And then I could also see her outside with him on one-on-one with his wife who came to pick him up. And then the next morning he showed up early. He asked to speak in front of the room and he issued like a formal apology and talked about his tendency to self-sabotage himself. And I was like, I was like, oh, Lord. Yeah. And the landmark form leader was just standing there and I just looked at her and I was like, that's insane. Because that guy was so, I, I can't even describe how dead set he was in his tracks. There was yeah. nothing that was breaking through this guy. Yeah. And that's why actually I can't wait for this pandemic to be over because I want to go back. Yes. You know, I want to take more. There, I want to be more yeah. involved and just yeah. unlock. I want to enroll more people in it. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. And um. I think it really gets back to this idea of mindfulness we were talking to as well. So that's great. And uh, this podcast, this episode went on so long. Thank you. No, Scott. no, but this is, you see, great. we, we yeah. failed to mention that this is a two hour special that yeah. we were planning. So <laughs> Sorry, yeah, no, I missed, I missed this the is a there. two hour special. Yeah, yeah. And in it, we talked about all of our friends, uh, communication, stoicism, Sam Harris, real estate. Um, we really delved in here. So um, thank you for listening. This, is a, this has been amazing. Any closing thoughts, guys? If you feel like we offered value, please Boom. repay us with a review on whatever you're watching us on, yeah, whether it's iTunes, awesome. whether it's Spotify. Drop a five-star. Let us know what's going on, what you liked, what you want to hear. And very and if you soon, like us, leave a one star and put a comment that we can actually yeah. know, listen to. Le- leave a whatever or star, two star, you think we three star, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, we've had a lot of listeners reach out uh, for feedback, and and you know, we really appreciate those. Oh, that do. yeah. The ask. Okay, so uh, yeah. also, we're um, do, yeah, we're gonna. I was just about to now. say that. Yeah, yeah that we're, we want we want to do an ask us anything episode, and so <laughs> an I, AUA. Yeah, AUA. Austin, I believe, is going to post on the Instagram, you know, how are you going to do it, Austin? Yeah, so I'm going to make a, a, a post. Um, about, Shout out, Austin. Yeah, so I'm going to make a post about this. Uh, it's going to be usually on podcasts. They're called AMAs, Ask Me Anything. But this is going to be called an AUA, Ask Us Anything. 
literally anything we've ever spoken about on this podcast. We, you know, you can scroll through the previous titles of episodes. We've talked about, uh, you know, basically we've talked, you know, everything business and managing service-based business, real estate, anything, you know, psychological mindfulness, uh, philosophy, right. You can ask us anything about that. Literally anything we have, or have not spoke about as well. Um, you can post a Google form. I don't think we can on Instagram. I don't think so. So I'll look into that, but I was thinking of making a post where you can just DM us off the post and survey uh, monkey. Yeah. Ask, ask FM. The, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Yo, what's your ask? Uh, yeah, dude, that is so, how long ago is that? It wasn't no, that right, long we're not, ago. We're not talking about ask FM. We got to go. Okay. Go. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like not long ago. But yeah. Okay. So, uh, we're going to do hey, that podcast, guys. I, yeah. And, and, and let us know what you think, uh, in, by the in general, way, general feedback. And then all the, uh, the, the AUA will happen next week. So this is the seventh. We're releasing this episode on the 50, uh, on the 15th of June. So the AUA will happen on, uh, will be dropping on June 22nd. So, um, yeah. Any other, yeah. Any other. So well, that's it. good stuff. Boys. The, these questions can be about anything. There's no limits for these questions. Yes, okay, no this limits. Episode, this episode is going to be a mature 17. Although plus. I reserve the right to, to do the fifth amendment. So yeah, yeah. You could, we can choose not <laughs> to answer them, but you can ask anything no, you I want. Think, yeah. It could be, could be anything we talked about, not talked about It's really about getting to know us. And so if you have anything that you're wondering back of your mind, ask away. And as always, thank you for listening. We appreciate your continued support. And if you've made it this far in this episode, <laughs> we love you. <laughs> okay, good. Bye, Bye, guys. Hey, listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at the weekly call pod or through email at the weekly call pod at gmail.com for any questions or comments about any of our material. And just to kind of pick our brain or even challenge us on a few things we said today. The intro and outro music was brought to you today by William Scott Thompson. You can find him on Spotify under that name. He has a lot of other great material on there that you can go listen to as well. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We'll see you soon.